Lord, Father, in the name of Jesus, we just want to thank you for the day. We want to thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be here. We want to thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be healthy. We want to thank you, Lord, for the worship that you allowed us to have and to be able to be eligible to even be in your presence. Lord, we thank you for your grace. And today, Lord, as we begin to move into our lesson today, I just ask you to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Allow the Holy Spirit to touch us and transform us. And Lord, we ask you, Lord, for your will to be done. We love you. In the name of Jesus. So today... Uh, you know, we're going to be um, speaking about uh, more, I would say, uh, a, a subject that is connected to what the pastor spoke about uh, last week. Uh, I'm not sure if many of you guys were uh, connected online. If you were here last week, uh, you remember uh, the focus of, of our conversation last week uh, talked about the changing the world and changing times. And over the past several weeks, that's been the pastor's focus. Uh, and Pastor Randy, you know, uh, really spent a lot of time last week talking about the various distractions that we face, the various distractions we face in our lives today. Uh, he, he talked about uh, how we're being overwhelmed. And, uh, you know, there are three things that he called out that I thought was very significant. He talked about the explosion of knowledge. We have an explosion of knowledge today where every 13 months, it's been found that every 13 months, knowledge is doubling for humans every, every 13 months. So imagine how much knowledge we continue to have to pick up. Also, he talked about constant access, you know, and that's technology, phones, social media, we're connected in all these different ways and all these various different, uh, you know, uh, different ways of being able to keep information coming to us or keep ourselves engaged. And lastly, you know, he talked about the result of that. There's a shrinking of the inner life. And what do we mean by that? There's really no time to spend on our inner self and growing our inner life and our inner self. And so... These are all very important things, but how do we make sure that we're staying centered in what God wants us to do? So the big idea last week was your inner life builds, sustains, or erodes what you experience in real life. That's very interesting. Our inner life will either build, you, build us, sustain us, or erode us. And what we see in reality. So if we're not spending time on our inner life, then what are we doing? Are we following God's will? Are we getting closer to him? And so, you know, it, it really stood out to me because, uh, you know, a pastor talked about uh, one verse in particular. I think he mentioned it maybe twice last week. And it was from Ephesians. And it was about when Paul writes uh, in Ephesians, he said in Ephesians 3, 16, 19, I'm going to read it and uh, I'm, I'm going to read it uh, from the New uh, American Bible Standard. Uh, and what it says is, 
that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. To be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. It's talking about us inside. So that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God so when you think about knowledge and you think about understanding what we've put our focus on with knowledge are we focused on gaining knowledge of this world or we focus on gaining knowledge about who he is in order for us to grow our inner self we must get closer to God and so you know I I thought about everything that the pastor was was talking about and you know he threw out the last thing I want to show you that he threw out last week was on how we pursue the focus on God and our inner self. He talked about how wisdom is greater than knowledge. And really wisdom is knowledge rightly applied. How are we taking what we learn and growing ourselves with that? He also talked about intentional is greater than impulse. So are we being intentional about the things that are important for us in our lives? Or are we just kind of swagging it and making it work as, as we find time? And he also spoke on being fully present versus half, halfway engaged. I think this is a real problem for us when you think about what's going on in our lives with technology and things like that. I don't think I can even talk to my daughters now without them being on their phone. And they just look up and say something and, you know, not fully engaged. And I, I got to admit, I do that as well, right? So there's some real challenges there with technology and, and what we have going on today where we can't really put real focus on any one thing. And so, you know, all the things that the pastor talked about last week, uh, it actually made my sermon for this week because I was, actually had another sermon I started preparing for. And as I was sitting here last week, I feel convicted by the Holy Spirit. Uh, I felt the Holy Spirit, as the pastor kept talking about these various things that I just went over, I felt that the Holy Spirit was convicting me on what his response was for me to talk about today. And it was about the word worship. Worship. And so today, that's what I'm going to do. I've had a week to prepare, and, you know, God has given me really all the insight that I need to be able to speak his word and his truth. And so I ask God and the Holy Spirit to allow me to be less so they be more. And so you may hear what God is going to talk to us about today on worship. So... As I talk to you about worship, uh, you know, I, I kind of coined this title as uh, of this message today is Worship Matters. Worship Matters. That's not something I came up with. I actually uh, uh, found this book that I started to, to read called Worship Matters by uh, a uh, worship leader named Bob Coughlin. And uh, man, I got so engaged with this book. It was just so powerful. And uh, man, God always leads us to the right sources when we're preparing for his word. And, um, you know, as I was uh, reading and, and listening, because I also had the audio book, 
Um, and uh, as I was uh, uh, listening to some of uh, the, the words that Bob talked about, uh, it really helped me get a deeper understanding of what worship was and how biblically uh, worship was truly important in what we do. So let's start with this. What is worship? What is worship? Well, before I even get into that, you know, I want to, you know, it was once said that every definition is dangerous, that we may explain why when we try to define a word simply and precisely, we often end up missing significant aspects of the word we're trying to define. Uh, Attempts of explaining worship as love or intimacy or relationship says something true, but it does leave out you know, really uh, the, the, the full understanding of what worship is about. And so, you know, when you talk about what is worship, to me, you must talk about what worship is not first. And so the first thing to come to mind when you think of worship is what? First thing to come to mind to me when I think of worship is music. You know, we got our worship team. They were just up here. They did an amazing job. And, you know, we all felt the presence of God. And that's what we think about. Worship is music. Right? Another thing we think about worship is coming to church. You know, let's go to worship service. Let's, let's get to church, you know, every week. You know, we come and we worship God, right? What else do we think about? Praying to God. You know, I pray four, three, two, four, five times a day, and every time I pray is worshiping God. I'm here to tell you that these three things aren't worship. Man, everybody, like, what are you talking about, right? Well, these three things aren't worship. Well, what they really are, these are channels to worship. There's ways to worship through those, but there's also ways to not worship through these. Worship come in all forms, right? And so what is worship? Harold Best, an author of Music Through the Eyes of Faith, defines worship in the broadest sense as acknowledging that someone or something else is greater, worth more, and by consequence to be obeyed feared and adored. Worship is the sign that is given myself completely to someone or something. I want to be mastered by it. Right? So, worship is not just singing or praying. It goes beyond that. Worship is giving myself completely and and saying, hey, this is is, uh, something that I am willing to allow to kind of take over how I live my life to be the first thing that I go to when things go astray. So worship is what we embrace. It's what we embrace, especially when we are fearful or we're hurting or we see pain and things are going in the wrong direction. So what are some other things that could be worship? Well, I just listed a few up up there. Food could be worship. Oh man, you know, I just, me and my, my, my husband just got in a fight, and we're not happy, so guess what? I go and just get a bunch of food and start eating it. It may be drugs. It may be alcohol. First thing I do is go and get the bottle. It may be sex. You know, hey, you know, I'm having a problem, and I'm just going and trying to fulfill a need, and that's the way that you feel that, fulfill that need. It may be money. It may be other people. It may be other people. It may be power. Right? There's some people who feel that when things aren't good, I got to show that I got the power. It may be pride. All these things are things that we can worship. 
not just God. So how do we worship? When we think about all these things that we see that we can worship, how do we worship? What I've learned is we don't need a course to teach us how to worship because we're all worshiping something. We are all right now worshiping something. Whether we are worshiping Jesus or whether we are worshiping something else out there, we're worshiping something. So who and what do you worship? I want you to think about that as we continue to, the lesson for the day. Who or what do you worship? Who or what do you worship? Just think about that. In the New Testament, we see an emphasis on worship. When someone came to Jesus and, and questioned him in Matthew 22, Jesus says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with your, all your soul and with all your mind. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. What is Jesus telling us? Worship is about not just what we do. It's about giving ourselves up completely with all our heart, soul, and mind. You see, whatever we love, want, or desire more than God becomes our God. Although it's not our God, it's not the God, Jesus Christ, the Father of Jesus Christ, it's not that God, it's a false God. Or what we are, we've heard of as idols, right? Back in the, in the days, we think of idols as statues and things like that, and, you know, big shrines or something. But idols could be anything. Anything that we love more than God is an idol. And that's what we worship. This is a tough thing to think about because we all struggle in this area. We all struggle in this area. Idols become our God when things go astray. It's what we prioritize. If it's more important, we prioritize it. You know, it's funny because we talk about, man, you got too much on your plate. How do you, how, you know, how do you kind of let some things go? Well, it's very interesting. Anything we really want to do, we can do it. We find time to do it. No matter how busy we are, anything we desire, we find time to focus on it. So idols, we, we prioritize. Idols promise us that they can satisfy us and that they can bring us peace. Think about all the things we do outside of God that we try to get satisfied by. But it really, it really doesn't. I think the biggest thing important that we have to call out here is it's not just non-Christians that worship idols. It's us right here. For those that's watching right now, it's for us. We all worship idols. And we got to ask ourselves, what are we worshiping today? And how do we change that? So John warns us in John, 1 John 5, 21, he warns us, that little children, guard yourselves from idols. Why does John warn us that? It's because this world is filled with so many alternatives. We are filled with so many alternatives, and not only we're filled with so many alternatives, they look very attractive. So we, we can't just go and believe that, hey, you know what? We don't have to worry about it. We gotta actually guard ourselves from idols because it's so easy to go and find other alternatives today. So again, I'm going to go back to it. Who or what do we worship? 
Who and what do you worship today? The question is, are we worshiping God or are we worshiping something or someone else? Let us find out. I'm, I, want, I want to take this deeper because it's so simple to listen to me right now. But I really want you to think and I want you to reflect. And I just want everybody to just close their eyes right now. Everyone is watching right now. This is not just participation here, but those that's actually watching on the streaming right now. Close your eyes. And I just want you to take a moment and search deep within yourself. And I just want you to truly and truthfully ask yourself when things go bad. I want you to think back to the last thing that went bad in your life. It may have been today. It may have been last week. Whenever it was, the last thing that you know that was like, man, this is pain, this is going bad, it's, you're worried, you're fearful, what was your go-to? What was your default response? Think about that. What was your default response? And when you, when you answer that question, you will see clearly who you worship today. You'll see clearly who you worship. So I want to I take it back a little bit and, and talk a little bit about uh, myself here real quick. Um, many of you guys that know me, well, a lot of people in our congregation know I've done some lean classes here. And lean is a, a philosophy that I've really pursued since my career for the last 20 years. And it's really been kind of the crux of what my career is all about. What is lean? Lean is just really an approach to being able to uh, maximize customer value while eliminating waste in any business, no matter what industry you're in and so forth like that. And literally, that's how my whole career has been built off this philosophy of what lean is. But ultimately, it's about how do you maximize value for our customer and, and, and eliminate things that aren't valuable to the customer. Uh, one of the, it comes from a Japanese lean, the, the thinking of lean, a lot of the the, the concepts and philosophies of lean come from Japanese. One of, the, uh, uh, one of the ways of thinking is called Hansei. And what is Hansei? Hansei is really called self-reflection. And the cool thing about lean is not just like a technique or standard you go and do. It, it's really about who you are. And so uh, when I talk about lean, it really is about who I am. Uh, and um, one of the things they teach you is self-reflection. And Self-reflection is something that I've been doing over the past, you know, um, over the past few weeks. Uh, I had a, recently had an opportunity to really self-reflect on the job that I'm currently at. I've been there for almost a year and a half now. And uh, it's a company that's about two hours away from, from here, Richmond. And uh, I've um, spent some time reflecting. And I don't want to go through all the details, but I wanted to hit the last one because I thought it was very relevant. Uh, to, to the, the, the service today. The last one says, heighten my faith. Relentlessly uh, walked in faith after I've done all I, ha I know how. And uh, the, the organization I work for today, I've started to see myself out of every other company I've ever worked for, I've seen myself heighten my faith more than anything. Just a little bit of background about the company I work for is a company called Casper Companies. Uh, it's been around since 1898. It's a small to medium-sized company. Uh, and, uh, you know, the true north that we have for our company is improve lives by being faithful stewards of God's given resources. Improve lives by being faithful stewards of God's given resources. And uh, as leader, as a leader of the organization, 
what I've learned is that I've taken that to heart, and many other leaders in the organization does the same. And when you think about God-given resources, it's telling you that everything we have is God's. Everything we got is God's. Even in that business, everything we have is God's. And how are we utilizing what God has given us in a way to improve lives? And so when I think of it from that perspective, and you look at what's going on with COVID and, you know, potential, you know, many jobs, many businesses are closing down and things like that. And uh, I know we were at a crutz and we were, you know, meeting and talking about what we need to do. And, you know, just like every other company was. And um, there was a point where we, it was out of our control. And my default was going and talk to God and say, God, I know you got it. I can't do anything here now. I've done everything I can do. And tomorrow I'll do everything I can do. But at some point I got to give it to you, God. And what I would say is what I've seen as a result of that faith is God has favored the organization in a big way. We have been so favored. We have not had to lay off a person yet. We have been able to get through a lot of the issues that, you know, with COVID and, and, and uh, you know, the, the, the issues of not having business and other businesses shut down and our business potentially shutting down. And uh, we have been so favored and so blessed because God has stepped in. And, um, you know, I think about the companies being around, that company being around over a century, uh, that type of true north and that focus has allowed the company to be favored for a century, over a century. And there's something about that. Because I think a lot of times when we look at God, we think that God just wants us to worship him. And God just wants us to just give it to him, but then nothing comes back in return. I absolutely disagree with that. I am a living testament. God favors people who follow his will and, and turn to him and give it to him. And, and I'll tell you, everybody have problems. We have problems in the business. I have problems in my, in my life. But this is what God is saying. He's never promised us, promised us that we won't have any issues, that we won't have any problems in our life. But what he's promised us is that his will will be done. And that if you love him and you give it to him, it'll turn out for our good. We have to believe that. And as a person who worships God, how can you worship him without believing that? We got to ask ourselves that. Again, we believe it in church. We believe it from a conceptual level, but do we practice it? Do we actually apply it in our lives and allow God to actually take over? And so I know God works when we give it to him. You know, I recently had a, a good friend of mine recently told me this quote. He, well, it wasn't a quote, it was just a statement he made. He said, we are no longer a God-fearing nation. And when he first said it, I listened to it, I was like, interesting. But then it really stuck with me. We are no longer a God-fearing nature, nation. What does that mean? What does that mean? When I thought about it, it's saying we're not responding to the events in our life in the way that God wants us to. When I look at it, it says that how we show up when things are tough for us individually is not towards God. It's towards something else. We are no longer a God-fearing nation. Well, let's ask ourselves, we can, we can look at that hypothesis and, and ask ourselves, what does that really, how does that play out? So let's think about all the current things that's going on today. We got COVID, right? So COVID's been around the last several months, and what have we seen? 
I can tell you what I've seen, I, and I'm not, I, I can't stand watching the news nowadays because it's all over the place, right? And, but I'm a very bipartisan type of person, and so I'll listen to a little bit of one side and the other side just to understand what's going on. And um, what, I, what I've learned is there's a lot of political agendas going on. If you don't see that, you're not watching news, because, you're not watching TV, because that's a lot of what you see. COVID, oh, let's make this a political thing, right? Uh, we also see uh, 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 what's the result of that is this inst- instilling of fear, right? There's so many people that's afraid right now that I can't believe it. Like, it's insane how many people are afraid, literally fearful. Is that what God taught us? But, hey, that's what we're doing, right? We're fearful, right? I'm not saying be dumb, but why are we so afraid, right? Um, we see a lot of businesses closing, not at their own fault for just what's going on right now and the way that things are going and people are free, fearful, guess what? People aren't going out. They're not going to restaurants. They're not buying anything. And guess what? A lot of businesses are going out of business. We're seeing jobs lost. It's a, it's a, it's a system, right? So as one thing happened, there's, a re, there's, a, there, you know, there's an equal reaction there, opposite, equal and opposite reaction. Now we're seeing jobs being lost. People don't have jobs. And what is that leading to? You know, we're trying to figure out how to keep people sustained. And our national debt is going outrageous. I know we don't really think about it as that big of a deal, but if you look at our national debt, uh, I think the one that's showing right now shows you uh, what, you know, what it's done in the last, just in the last, you know, few months here. In the last three months, our national debt debt has went to over $3 trillion more. (laughs) Like, think about it, $3 trillion more in the last three months. Typically, since 2008, because we were doing pretty good until 2008. Since 2008, you can see on the chart here, around 2008, we, we got in a higher trend. And in 2008, we were doing about, on a good year, maybe a trillion dollars a year, going more in debt. And then in a bad year, about $2 trillion a year. But in the last three months, we're hitting a trillion a month right now. Like, and I know we, don't, we sit here and don't think it's not a problem, but what are we doing? Is that, are we utilizing God's given resources in the right way? Like, first of all, right? Secondly, are we, are we responding in a way where we're going to God first? Because, again, it's hard for me to believe if we're doing that, that we'll be seeing the results that we see today. Let's go deeper. Let's, let's, let's keep going. Um, what else are we seeing today? We're seeing police brutality and other sporadic racial-infused incidents happen out there today, right? Now, there's a lot of people who can argue about if it's right or wrong, if this was a racial incident or not. Is there systemic racism out there or not? Like, I'm not here to try to determine which way is which way. The point is, is that what is, what is it driving today? Political agendas again. No one can sit here and argue, argue against that point. It's driving political agendas, right? Also, we're seeing protests happen. Multiple protests all over the country. We're seeing protests happen. Some of them are justified. Some of them are just not justified at all. Becomes violent, unruly, and so forth. And we're seeing statues being destroyed. We're seeing defunding of the police. Uh, and ultimately, we're seeing dis- uh, increased increase crime, right? Uh, this article that um, you see right now is uh, from New York, and it's talking about how black leaders are now calling for the NYPD to bring back uh, their disbanded anti-crime unit. Uh, you know, 
you know, we, we thought that this defunding thing was a good thing. And again, maybe it is, maybe it's not. But now we're seeing some results that's actually going in a negative way. And crime is just going outrageous. Uh, Chicago is another one, right? That's my hometown. So I've, I, have a, I have a heart for Chicago, right? But when I see what's happening in Chicago, man, I am scared to have my kids walk around in Chicago. If I go to Chicago, I'll go by myself. I wouldn't even take my kids there right now. That's a problem. And we say it's only in certain neighborhoods, but when I look at the diagram, it's everywhere, right? And you've had over, th- over 300, over 373 people have been killed this year in Chicago. And that's 97 more than 2019 at that time. Now, that number was from a couple of weeks ago, but just even last weekend, I saw 21 people or so got shot, right? So that number has risen since then, right? It's insane what we see. That number has increased since this year. Everything's just kind of went, you know, just went crazy and sideways. But yet we're protesting and we're doing all these things and trying to, trying to make the world better, supposedly. But yet we're seeing the results go in a completely opposite, different way right now. now. I'll tell you, I want to step back here because the thing that breaks my heart the worst is, you know, when I look at the fact that uh, for this last holiday season, we call it Independence Day, right? You know, Independence Day, we're free, a day that we, you know, we go and say, hey, you know, we were freed and we have independence as, an org- as a country. And um, the thing that really breaks my heart is, is with all this violence going on, there were at least three, uh, six children killed during Independence Day weekend. At least six children killed. Is this what God wants for us? Is this what God wants for our nation? And the thing that comes to mind more than anything for me is, what are we turning to? Who are we turning to? Because we're going down a bad road right now. And I'm going to go back to, I'm going to go back to, again, what my friend told me. We're no longer a God-fearing nation. And if indeed that's true, it's going to get worse. If indeed that's true, it's going to get worse. Now, I have hope. I have hope. I believe that we can actually overcome these things. I believe that we can have a revival where we allow God to take over. Because nothing can stop God. It doesn't matter what direction it's going or how bad it is. Nothing can stop our God but ourselves. And so, just think about this, right? Again, this is not to, uh, to try to, you know, try to uh, align to one way of thinking versus another way of thinking. Honestly, to me, I really don't care about that. The only way of thinking I align to is God's way. So you can align to this way or that way or another way. The only way that's right is God's way. And we have to realize that. I can tell you, you can go and turn on news all day long and you won't hear anybody utter a word about God. But yet we're sitting there watching it like it's and letting it feed our brain and telling us this is how we should show up. There's a problem with that. And if you're a Christian and you're saying that you're a believer in Christ, how are you going to allow that? You know, part of us is, is our courage. We can't sit back and just think it's okay and say, well, I'm not doing it, so it's all good. That's not good enough. That's not what Jesus wants us to do. And if we think it is, we need to go and really go and start reading our Bible and understand what God is really telling us. I know it's hard to hear, but we have to be honest with ourselves. Where are we at today? And who are we worshiping? 
So let's get into the, to the Word, right? Because, again, I don't like to talk about my own thoughts, right? And I, I like to talk about what the Word says. Let's get into the Word. So I'm going to go back to what Eric read earlier today in Genesis 22. And I just think this, you know, this story, as I was trying to figure out what was going to be the thing in the Bible that really kind of pulls all this together for me, the story of Abraham and Isaac, I think, is just hits it on the head, just hits it on the head. And, and, and I want to walk you through how I see that so that you can understand how worship is so key to us being able to overcome. So I want to start with, uh, I'm not going to go through everything. I'm going to kind of break it down and I'll, I'll, I'll walk through the story. So I'm going to start with uh, uh, verse 2 in, in, in uh, Genesis 22. He said, take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains in which I will tell you. So now imagine what God is telling Abraham to do. Abraham is a, a follower of Christ, follower of God, right? Imagine what God is telling him to do. He's saying, hey, you got one son. I want you to go and kill that dude. Now, what if somebody told you to do that today? We can talk about all the problems we're going through in life right now, but that's like the worst nightmare. That would be my worst nightmare if someone told me I got to go and take my daughter Isis over here. If someone told me I had to go and take her and sacrifice her, that would be my worst nightmare. I wouldn't even be able to think right. I'd rather go through whatever else I'm going through in life than have to go through something like that, right? So we can imagine, you know, the, the situation here. Abraham it's going through something here that's big. I'm telling you, he's going through something very significant. He's experiencing, got to believe he was experiencing fear and pain, heartache. Got to believe that. So if we go down and go down to verse, verse 4, it says, On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. So he can see the place now, right? How's Abraham going to respond to this? He can see like, man, this is, this is where I got to go. And I know where I'm going, and I know it's not what it's not going to be a good, you know, good end in mind. So he can see. How does he respond to this? Abraham said to his young man, "Stay here with the donkey, and I and the lad will go over there, and we will worship and return to you." So we we understand where Abraham is right now. He can see where the destiny is for him, and what is he going to do? He go and worship God. It doesn't talk about in the Bible what, how he worshiped. Didn't say if he got on his knees and prayed to God. Didn't say if he was singing and praising like David would probably do. He didn't say if he, you know, just sat in silence. It didn't tell us that. But what we know he did was went and worshiped God, right? He went and because he was already a believer in Christ. He already knew that God was his Savior. But what he wanted to go back and do is reinforce that. He went and worshiped God, letting God know, hey, God, you're the most powerful of powerful. So if you're telling me to do this, it must be right. I don't get it. I don't understand it. But I know that you can overcome anything. Right. So Abraham realized that he what he did, he went and worshiped God. So. Based on how, you know, what we know that Abraham did, how do we know it worked? How do we know that? He didn't just go and worship God on a Sunday and say, hey, it's a Sunday. Let me go worship God, feel good, and then get right back to my fear and my mis- 
disbelief. How do we know that? If we go back and we go to verse 7, it says, Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father. And he said, here I, I am, here I am, my son. And he said, behold, the fire in the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. You see, Abraham, through his worship, his faith was strengthened. Through his worship, he knew God was going to show up. Through his worship, he didn't have to no longer worry about it. See, us in life, what we do is we come to church, feel good for a minute, not think about our problems, then walk right back out and feel like, man, what am I going to do? How am I going to pay my bill right now? What am I going to do? Man, I don't have a job right now. What am I going to do? Man, me and my husband, we keep going at it. What am I going to do? My kids are just going crazy. What am I going to do? Man, I, I don't have a mask right now. Right? <laughs> like, think about it. This is where we're going right now. We, 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 we talk about it, but we don't walk about it. We don't show up that way. And what is that indicating to us? We really aren't worshiping Christ. We're really not saying God is really the God of all who can do anything and who can change everything and can make the impossible the possible. Ask yourself, who do you really worship? So then, let's keep going here. Abraham, in verse 10, Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to his slain son. Now, get this. He took the knife. He ready to do it. Like, Abraham, go all in. He's all in. I don't know what he was thinking. He probably was thinking, you know what? I'm going to kill this dude, and God will bring him back alive. That's what I would probably have been thinking, right? So he's just ready to go, right? He's all in. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son for your only son, your only son for me. Now I know you worship me. Now I know that you, you give me everything. Now I know that you see me as your master of all. And, I, and guess what? I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of you. A lot of times we sit there and talk about problems we have and problems we have. I was talking to a, a, a buddy here recently, and he was telling me about his problems he had. And, you know, the one thing that kept going through my mind, and I was trying to encourage him with, is that those problems are there for a reason. Are we getting closer to God? Are you giving it to him? Sometimes God allow those problems to fester because you're not coming to him. Abraham could have been worried could have been hesitant, but there was no hesitation. He just kept walking forward because he knew that God was going to provide. And what did God come in right at the last second? God came in and said, stop, don't do it. But this is the thing we got to know. Just because things change in our lives, God's will must be done. God's will will be done. No matter how we want to try to justify it or move it around and control it, God's will will be done. So, Abraham still had to sacrifice something, right? What does it say? Then Abraham raised his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. 
And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the place of his son. God provided. God's will had to still be done, but yet God provided another alternative. A lot of times we have to go to a destination and we don't like how we get there. But God will provide when we worship him and we allow him to step in. What's even more, I think, more uh, exciting about this to me is God not only provided. See, we think like, you know, Abraham, now think about it. He got the ram. His son don't have to die. If I'm Abraham, I'm ecstatic right now. I'm like, yes, it's all good, right? God is taking care of me. I love my God, and I'll move on, right? But God didn't stop there. What did God do? In the, in, in, um, you know, I think a, a good way to look at this is going back to Ephesians. In Ephesians uh, chapter 3, verse 20, it says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us. God can go beyond what we're thinking. God can actually exceed our expectations if we allow him to. So what happens in verse 15? Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. Indeed, I will greatly bless you. And I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heavens and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your seed shall possess the gate of their enemies. And in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. It's a beautiful thing. God not only provided for Abraham when he was in need, but God actually exceeded that by giving him more. That's how our God is. And when we know that and we allow God to step in and we worship him for that, God continue to give us more and more and more. You can't outgive God. You can't outdo God. And when we believe we can, we're not worshiping him, and therefore we don't ever get the benefits of it. Yes, we're going to go through problems in our life, but we're always going to come out on the right end if we give it to God. We won't if we're not giving it to God. See, this is the thing I realized with this, this story. Abraham knew how to worship. Abraham knew how to worship. He didn't need anyone else or anything else during this time of fear and hurt because he had his inner life, going back to last week, his inner life was filled with the desire and love for God. His inner life was filled with desire and love for God. So he knew how to worship. You can't turn it on and off. You can't be like, oh, well, it's really bad. Let me start worshiping now. It's not going to work that way. You must have your inner life filled with the desire and love for God to worship him. And this goes back to what Pastor Randy was talking about last week. With all these distractions and all the things, the devil is trying to keep you distracted from allowing your inner life to be filled with the desire and love for God. And he will continue to do that. There's nothing that's going to stop that. So you must find a different way. If you're on a different path, you have to find a different way to get there because what you're doing now is not working. What we're doing as a nation now is not working. We got to change our path. So it wasn't just Abraham who was like this. I can talk about all multiple other people in the Bible. Paul was a great example of someone who had his inner life filled 
with the worship of God and put God above all. Think about Paul and Silas when they're in prison, right? So you're in prison and you don't know what's going to happen next. You might be dead the next thing you know. What are they going to do? They go and praise and worship God. That's when you know it's about God. It's not about what everybody else. I don't care what else anybody else think about me. I don't care what situation I am in. If I can't do anything and God isn't giving me the talent or ability to do anything, I'm just going to praise and worship him and allow him to take over. We don't have to sit there and ask God to help me. We don't have to do that. God knows what's going on. We act like that God don't know. Let me go, hey, God, can you help me with this situation? He knows what your situation is. God wants us to praise him and worship him. And we praise and worship him, all other things will come into place. But if we're sitting there just, God, will you do this for me? God, will you do that for me? And there's no, nothing else beyond that. We wonder why we say our prayers aren't being answered. We don't even have to explain the problems to God. All we have to do is worship him. When we worship God, God takes care of his people. God takes care of his people. So what is our big idea today? When you look at Abraham and you look at Paul, the big idea is all about worship is who I am. Worship is who you are. Worship is about what's in you. Worship is who I am. You're going to worship something. But worship is who you are. I want everybody to repeat it. Even the people, even those that's out there on streaming, I just want you to just repeat. Repeat the big idea today. I want you to get it in and hear it. Worship is who I am. Let's repeat it together. Worship is who I am. Worship is who I am. We decide if we want to worship God or not. We decide if we're going to desire and love God more than something else. We do. God is seeking worshipers. He is seeking those who worship him in spirit and truth. Worshiping God does not begin with music. Church, like I said, doesn't begin with prayer. It all begins with God, with the love and desire for God. We must worship God at all times with our mind, heart, and soul. Abraham was a great example of that. He knew that he didn't like the situation, but what he did, he said, you know what? It is what it is. I'm about to go and worship my God, and I know he'll take care of it. When we had that attitude, we're at peace. We're not getting angry, and we're not allowing our emotions to take over. We're allowing God to take over. So let's talk about how we apply these things that we talked about today. How do we worship God with our, our mind, heart, and soul? How do we do that? Well, first, let's, I'm going to break it down in two different ways. I'm going to talk a little bit of first about how do we worship God with our mind, and then I'm going to talk about how we worship God with our heart and soul. Because I think both of them are really important. It's really difficult to get one without the other. So let's start with worshiping God with our minds. So the first thing is we must find time to read God's Word. We must find time to read God's Word. Why is that important? If we can't find time to read God's word, we won't grow in our knowledge. Proverbs 2, 3 to 5 says, For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as uh, for hidden treasures, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. Are we seeking to understand God like treasure? 
Are we searching, searching to understand his truth? In order to do that, we must read his word. Secondly, we must study biblical theology for a deeper understanding. You know, there's a lot of people out there who have given their lives up to searching the, the understanding and knowledge of God. And there's been some good research done, good books out there, people who have given their lives to just live for God, and we can learn from that. Remember, knowledge, there's so much knowledge out there, we can't get it all ourselves, so we can learn from others. So we have an opportunity to learn from others. And I'll tell you, like, for me, not only, you know, not only in this realm of focusing on knowing who God is, but just in life in general, like, in my work and, and as a leader, like, I learn from others every single day. I think it's so important for us to learn from others. If we're not reading, if we're not learning from others, then how do we get better? We just stay in this cycle of repetitiveness and we never evolve and grow. But we must fill our inner, our inner, you know, inner self. In order to do that, we must learn from others as well. And then thirdly is, you know, we must put his word in our heart. What do I mean by that? It's one thing to just read the Bible. It's another thing to know the Bible. And there's times, what, what I've learned is in the times when things are very bad, when we are stressed out, when we're fearful, when we're going through something, we need a default. And we must imprint things of God in our, in our hearts. You know, my daughter, uh, my daughters, all, all four of my daughters, they were fortunate enough recently Again, I just work for a great company who is a God-fearing company. Uh, they, um, uh, they allowed many of the employees' kids to go to a faith-based Christian camp uh, called Pine Cove, uh, and they sponsored the kids to do that. And, uh, you know, it's something that, you know, a lot of people wouldn't be able to do without a sponsorship like that. And um, all four of my daughters had an opportunity to go there recently, uh, and all of them had a great experience. Um, my, my oldest daughter, Isis, uh, she, um, a couple of days later, we're driving, she's driving in her car, and I look over and I see all this stuff on her arms, and I was trying to see, what's on her arms? It's like gibberish, right? I was like, what is that? It was just like random letters. And I asked her, what was that? And she said, oh, you know, my counselor, when I was there, she was telling me about how she uh, learned how to, you know, imprint basically the Word of God in her heart by putting Bible verses on our arm, but only the first letter in every word. And that's how she learned to remember it, right? And it's crazy because I see myself now starting to do that. Like on my arm right now, you'll see I got one on there, right? It's hard, hard to see because what I've, for myself, my goal is when I put something on my arm, if it's before it fades away, can I remember it, right? So I know it sounds so elementary, right? But the reality is, is that anything that can get you to imprint God's word in you, do it. Figure out how to get God's word in you because there's going to be times when you need it. It's one thing when there's no pressure. I can go to my Bible and my word and, and learn, right, and get better and be encouraged. But when you're under pressure, you got to have defaults and go-tos. You have to be able to allow things to come to you like that. And that's why it's so important for you to imprint God's word and his promises in your heart. So that's the first thing. So we talked about the mind. We got to get to know we got to get to know God better. And when we do that, there's results that come from that. First is, we learn that God is much bigger than we can ever think he is. That's what we learn. When we start to really understand who God is, we know that he's much bigger 
than our mind can even fathom. And so that's really important. Then the other thing is, and I like Bob Bob Kaufman said this in Worship Matters, the book there. He had this statement and I thought it was was just hits right on the head. He said, worship without true knowledge leads to misguided emotionalism. Worship without true knowledge leads to misguided emotionalism. When you truly don't understand what God can do, you come to church and you may worship and you might feel good for a minute. But maybe a week you might feel good. But then when that time hits again, when things are pressuring you, you got some issues going on. You lose it. You lose it. Because you never really truly understood what God, who God is. And that he can overcome everything. Not some things, but everything. And he's alive and well and active today. Not tomorrow, not yesterday, but today. Right now, God is alive and present. And when you know that, then you know that God is always working on your behalf. So I want to move over to the other I apply bias. Heart and soul. So first is, when we think about you know, our heart and soul, we must think about what our beliefs and our mental models are. First thing we must do is stop trusting in what you can do and start trusting in Jesus Christ and what he's already done for you. So we worry about what we can do all the time. Say, oh man, I ain't going to be able to get this done. Or hey, you know what? We're not going to be able to make it through this one because we're thinking about our own capabilities. But instead of thinking about our own capabilities, we need to start thinking about what Jesus has already done for us. Not only has he died for us, but when you start thinking about what he's already done for you in your life, Again, that's what encourages me personally. When I really start to maybe feel myself falter a little bit, I go back to what Jesus has already done for me in my life, how he's allowed me to be where I'm at right now. And I don't deserve any of it, right? It's all through grace because I'm just a a wicked sinner just like everybody else is. But yet through his grace, God has allowed me to be favored. He favors me and he gives me the things that I don't deserve. So, Go back to those things. Go back to what God has done for you already. We must recognize God is God and you are not. This is a big one. This is what our pride comes in. And we think that, you know what? We can be God. You know what? It's because of what I've done is where I'm at. It's amazing to see how many people believe what they got is because what what they've done, not what God has given them. Everything I have in this life is because of what God has given me. My family, my finances, my, my, my friends, everything I have in my life is because of what God has given me. Your skill set, your talent, it didn't just come. God is giving you that. And he gave it to you for, you for the purpose of you worshiping him and serving him. And if we see it as it's our thing and we're better than God, we're not worshiping God. We're worshiping something else. We're probably worshiping our own self or our own pride at that. You know, in, in 2 Corinthians 11.30, Paul says, if I boast, if I have to boast, I will boast on what pertains to my weakness. And I thought that was just amazing. Again, someone who gets it, who, who understands that worship is who he is. He said, I don't need to boast about anything I, I've done because if I do that, I'm boasting about something I really didn't do. But no, I'm going to boast about my weaknesses because when I boast about my weaknesses, 
it encourages me and let me know that my God is in, it can do anything. My God is the God of all gods. My gods can make anything be overcome. That's what it does for me. So I'm going to boast about my problems and my weaknesses. I'm not going to boast about what I've already accomplished. And if I am going to talk about something I've accomplished, it's not about what I've done. It's what God has done. It's what God has done. So number three here is just fully trusting that God who gave his son who died in our place. He gave a son for us to die for us. We can't forget that. Like that's the ultimate sacrifice. We just talked about Abraham and how Isaac was spared. But imagine our kids being in that place and have to die for you, for me. That's the God that we serve. Then last is we have to look for things to be grateful for. You know, God blesses us each and every minute of this day. And if we're not thinking in, about what we're grateful for and everything that we have and the fact that we even have health and we even breathing on this, in this world, no matter what circumstances we're going through today, there's always something to be grateful for. Are we seeking out those things? Because when we do that, we start to get closer to God knowing that he is almighty and not ourselves. So today we're in a season. We're in a a different season today. Probably the most significant season of our lives that many of us have ever experienced. We're in a season of fear. We're in a season of frustration. uh, Unsympathetic, you know, feelings and, you know, distress and, you know, doubtfulness. Not knowing, right? Unclarity of where, where where the country is going. That's where we're at today. People are afraid because they don't have jobs, losing their houses. You know, people are being hurt, you know, like we said, going to certain areas, being scared, you know, fearful of your life. Or simply just being accused or persecuted. That's the season we're in. That's the season we're in right now. And as God-fearing people, how do we respond to that? How do we respond to the pain, the hurt? the injustice of this world. Again, are we worshiping God? Are we being like Abraham? Or are we allowing our pride or conformity or whatever else we worship take over? I just want to encourage you today that we have an opportunity as God-fearing people to change this world. Each and every one of us do. And the reason I said it, you do, even though you may not feel like you don't, is when you trust in God, God takes over. When you trust in God, God takes over. Allow him to take over. Trust him. Believe him. Get to know him. I am so blessed because of what my God has done in this world. And I I walk without being afraid. I really don't care about COVID. I don't care about the protests. I'm not going to be fearful. I can't live my life in fear when I have a God who tells me he can do anything. 
Now, maybe you can, but I can't do that. And I just know we have a God who cares about each and every one of us. He wants each and every one of us, each and every one of us to come to him. Allow him to do that. Stop being afraid. Stop worrying. Stop being emotional and being angry. Stop judging people. My goodness, like God has been very clear that we shouldn't judge others, but yet we may be judged. Stop judging others. People make mistakes. I guarantee you every person up in here said, and I can judge every one of you too. But that's not what God wants us to do. God takes care of that. He's the one that provides justice, not us. Allow God to work. Allow him to do what he said and his promise he'll do for us. Give it to him. Worship him. And know that he will, he will change the outcome. As I end today, I want to show you a picture and see if anybody know who this guy is here. Anybody know who that guy is right there? Now, this may be aging many of you guys here, right? So his name on the, in this show is called Smokey. I don't know if any of you guys ever watched Friday or not. Yes, I have, right, back in my days. Uh, Friday was a, a comedy out, and, uh, you know, it had a lot of profanity and, you know, kind of explicit things like that in there. Well, Smokey, as you can see why they called him Smokey in, the, in Friday, right, he, he was a guy who was always, you know, smoking, you know, smoking weed and taking drugs and doing things like that. And I'll tell you, he, he, he actually made his, like, appearance on stage, like, I guess this was a big, the, the thing that really made him who he was, uh, Chris Tucker is his name. He's a comedian. He was a stand-up comedian, and uh, he played in the movie Friday, and uh, from there, you know, he kind of grew from there. He went on and did a lot of other movies, uh, such as, uh, you know, uh, Fifth Element. Uh, many of you guys know uh, the Rush Hour series, Rush Hour 1, Rush Hour 2 and 3 with him and Jackie Chan. Um, you know, at, at his peak in Rush Hour 3, he was the highest paid actor in Hollywood the highest paid actor in Hollywood. I believe he got $15,000 for doing Friday. That's crazy, isn't it? And he got somewhere around some kind of $50 million contract with uh, Rush Hour. Right? He's the highest paid actor in Hollywood. And after that, he disappeared. Everybody's like, what happened to Chris Tucker? He disappeared. I heard he died. I remember some, there was like articles say he died and this and that. Then found out where he didn't die. Like, the dude disappeared. I'm telling you, he was such a good actor. Every, every, uh, every single movie he played in, he always had rave reviews, right? But then he disappeared. No one understood why. Well, he showed up a few years later, come to find, find out that he found God. He went back to Christ. And, um, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of people who have done that, right? And they went back to Christ. And he decided, you know, there were a lot of different scripts that he was coming. And they were giving him scripts of things he'd done in the past, right? And they liked that style, right? So he said, that's not him anymore. He don't want to do profanity anymore. He does stand-up comedian, uh, comedy today. And he doesn't, he doesn't curse in his, in his uh, comedy. And it's more clean now, right? And, you know, he just really changed who he, you know, who he was as a man because his inner self changed. But what was more impressive to me was not just about 
you know, this change. And this change is important. I think we should always celebrate when people change towards God. That's really important to do. But I think what's even more important is, you know, we talked about as Christians, a lot of times we worship idols and we have responses that are not what God wants us to do. Well, uh, about two years ago, uh, he was traveling for uh, uh, some stand-up comedy, and he was in Great Britain, and uh, he was on uh, Good Morning Britain. And while he was on Good Morning Print, uh, Britain, now, uh, the, the, the host of Good Morning Britain, they were like Trump haters, right? They really could, you could tell how they were talking about it, right? Regardless if you're a Trump guy or not, they were Trump haters, right? And so they... Um, you know, they um, asked, they asked Chris, they said, hey, you know, so, you uh, know, knowing they knew that Chris was a uh, Democrat and that he supported, um, he supported Barack Obama, he supported Clinton. So they were ready for him to just jump in, like, especially a comedian, you know, they jump in on that, right? And so uh, his response to me was so impressive and how he responded to that. And I wanted everybody to just hear it. Uh, so um, we're gonna play the video. It's just a quick 10 second video. I want you to hear his response. I hope he does a good job, you know, and people, cause I pray for him. I, I pray for him. I said, listen, I hope he does a good job. Cause you know, we need, you know, uh, a great president. We need good things. We need a lot of things to happen in our country, in America. So at the end of the day, what he was talking about, he, you know, he called out the fact that he prayed for Trump and he wanted him to do a good job, right? Instead of just beating him up and doing what everyone else does. And it can be, it can be a Democrat president and then we see Republicans do the same, right? But the point was, was that as Christians, how we show up and how we respond should be so different than how this world responds. We should not be trying to tear people down. We, be, we should be trying to build people up. And when we have a problem with something or we see that maybe we don't agree with what our leaders are doing, who should we go to? Should we go to the media? Should we go and just uh, go to and start rumors and, and or be in the gossip uh, mill? Or do we go to God? Right? You know, I think Chris Tucker there showed what God biblically tells us to do. In 1 Timothy, uh, God tells us in 1 Timothy 2, he says, First of all, then, I urge that entreaties and prayers and petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority, so that they may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Imagine, just imagine a country whose response was not of this world, but of God's. Imagine a people who love God and support God and put God first, responded in a way that showed that and exemplified that. Multiple things will happen. We will see more people coming to Christ. You know, it's very hard for me, you know, to see how us as Christians, how we show up. And it justifies a lot of people turning from Christ. You know, I had a, a really good friend of mine talk to him yesterday. 
And him and I, we believe in a lot of the same things, but we believe in certain different things as well. And, you know, he, you know, he texted me and he said, you know, a lot of these, he was talking about a documentary on a lot of these mega churches and how they're taking the donations of, of people and utilizing it for themselves. And, you know, someone like him who I see as, as a great opportunity to get closer to Christ, those are the kind of things that turns them away. When you see Christians responding in a way, when you see Christians responding in a way that's not of God and that the Bible says one thing and we do the opposite, how we think other people are going to get closer to God? How are we bringing souls to, to Christ? We're not. We're doing exactly the opposite of what God has asked us to do. You know, and that's why I believe in the Bible when it says, Jesus says, you know, if you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out. Either be hot or cold. Don't be lukewarm. Don't play the middle. Oh, well, you know, I got to conform because this is what the world and society is telling me to do. So I'm going to go and fall in on it with it. That's not what God is asking us to do. God is asking us to stand up for him. God is asking us to put our, our trust and our faith and hope in him and to know that he is our God. I just ask you to think about what are you going to do? Who do you want to be? Do you want to be a worship of a God or are you going to be a worship of something else? You have the opportunity to make that decision today. Not talking about tomorrow. I'm talking about now and today. Everyone who's watching right now, you have the opportunity to make that decision. Are you going to put God first? Are you going to go to him in times of distress? Or are you going to respond in a different way? Lord, Father, in the name of Jesus, I love you. I love you. I love you. And I thank you, God, for being the God of the impossible. I thank you, God, for having grace upon us where we can make all these mistakes and yet you still want us, you still desire us. God, I thank you, Lord, for helping me understand what worship truly is. I thank you, Lord, for helping me understand that I can worship you in a lot of ways as long as I'm giving myself to you and allowing you to take control. I ask you, Lord Father, to touch each and every person out here today. Touch us. Help us know you, Lord. Help us get to know you better. Convict our spirits and our soul, Lord. Convict us, Lord Father, in a way where we want to have the desire to learn more about you. Convict us, Lord Father, in those times, in those moments when we're fearful, when we're worried, or we feel like that we have to conform with where society is going. Help us see that all we have to do is go to you like Abraham did. Help us be more like Paul, Lord Father, when we are trapped and we have nowhere to go. All we have to do is praise you. God, powerful, glorious God. Powerful, glorious God. Powerful, glorious God. You're the miracles, you're God. Powerful, glorious God, powerful, glorious God, powerful, glorious God, you're the miracles, you're 
right now, everything. Just allow God to work. If you're sitting here watching right now, close your eyes and allow God to work in you. Stir your spirit up right now. Allow God to work in you. Just those simple words I just sung right now. I ask you to just sing them. Sing them out to God. Allow God to work in you and know that he is God. He is all, all that we need. And through every struggle in the valley of death, we know that God is with us. Let him be the God that he is meant to be. Allow him to work in you. Give him a minute. Slow down in your life. Right now, just close your eyes and allow God to such a glorious God. 